0: Hey everyone, Joe here. And in this episode, Frank, Scott, and I had the privilege of chatting with Derek Crowder, the Command Chief Master Sergeant of the 60th Air Mobility Wing in Travis Air Force Base, California. We had the honor of listening to his story and had the opportunity to glean some wisdom from his amazing perspectives. Enjoy.
1: Life. Learning.
2: Leadership. The
0: Llama Lounge. Yo, welcome to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on life, learning, and leadership. This is Joe, and I have with me most of the Llama team, Scott and Frank. What's going on, guys? Hey, hey, hey Joe. What's, what's up? going bud? Good, good. So, uh, how's it? Uh, how are you guys hanging in there on day 47-ish of the quarantine, <laughs> whatever day it is now?
3: Uh, just waiting for the barbershops to open.
0: <laughs> they're opening yeah, uh, in Atlanta, aren't they? Listen, I thought I saw something about in Atlanta. They're opening up. That,
3: that'll be an expensive bar, uh, haircut then if, if I have to go to Atlanta.
2: <laughs> the lines to get a haircut at Osan have been insane. Like the first two or three days was <laughs> just lines out the door.
0: Oh, and man.
2: so I had I had some kind of half-ass uh, clippers that I've yeah. kind of dying out on me yeah, and they okay. weren't working. and and man, I went home, I cleaned those things out, oiled them up, and I'm like, I'm just shaving it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you look
0: great, bro. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. So, you know, I actually really miss the uh, the uh barbers at Osama, and that was some good stuff over there. And they had a bunch of them going, so you didn't have to wait in line. Well, normally you wouldn't, of course, now we do, but <laughs> cool, good stuff. So, hey, um, today we have a very special guest on the podcast with us, Um, Derek Crowder. Derek, what's going on, brother?
1: Uh, not much. Everybody doing okay?
0: Yeah, oh yeah. Yes,
2: sir. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Yeah, so yeah, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Um for our our listeners out there, um Derek is the command chief mass sergeant and my command chief at the 60th Air Mobility Wing, Travis Air Force Base California. And the short time I've worked with them has been a great teammate and and a great mentor for me. I
1: really appreciate um, all our discussions, Derek. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. It's always always a pleasure getting to chat with you. And now we've got two additional ones I get to chat with, so that's awesome. I'm
0: looking forward to it, it'll be good. Man, so, you know, it's funny, I was was sitting there, you know, we're kind of talking about how our lives are a little bit different right now. I was, I woke up this morning, I looked at my um, phone, and I had a text thread that probably most of us do, right? I have a bunch of the guys in my family were on a similar thread, a shared thread, and we're talking to each other, and they were talking about something about their, uh, their wives and what reality TV shows are watching. So, but then I got caught in an Amazon rabbit hole and I'm looking for stuff. Right. And I find, uh, I'm looking for a a Damascus steel chef knife. So then I asked the guys, I'm like, I'm like, Hey, you guys, any of you guys got Damascus steel chef knife? And they're like, no, how is it? And it's like, I don't know, I was just asking you guys. And then we're all sharing, like we're all in this rabbit hole together, sharing. And I'm like, what has happened to us, man? Is it the quarantine or are we just getting old?
3: <laughs> the priorities change. <laughs> <you. laughs>
0: yeah, I think so, right? I was like, what are we doing? And I'm thinking that you know, y'all probably experiencing things a little bit different. Um, so, so I was thinking like, hey, Derek, what are, you, what do you, what, what are the big changes that have kind of shifted in, in your life? since this thing's all started?
1: Uh, so I would say the biggest change is I'm normally not a runner. Mm. And so with the gym being closed on base, I have found myself running uh, five or six days a week. And, and your posts are always motivational for me. <laughs> I don't know about everybody else, but uh, <laughs> motivational in the mileage, not the time. I'm never going to get. I run mm-hmm. a mile in like six minutes um, and then continues for nine more. uh, you know that's that's probably one of the things and and honestly one of the biggest changes is um, having to do stuff like this right where it's normally it's for for meetings and things like that during the day it's that's been a culture shift for us Where often we're used to meeting in person and now you don't have those opportunities to do it so you're still getting after a lot of the things in your life but you're just doing it via different methods and so we'll see what happens after all this is over, what changes there are in my life as well as you know the bigger Air Force world as well. We'll see.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I, I know that a lot of things have changed for me. Um, and one of the cool things that I keep talking about is, is I'm actually stretching myself quite a bit on some of the uh, information technology, right? Mm-hmm. Like all, all the oh, yeah. tools that we have that we've pro- we've had a lot of these for a long time, but I know I haven't. And Scott, like you're talking about, cause he's in a professional development profession right now. Yeah. I mean, you guys are stretching quite a bit too, right?
3: Yeah. I mean, we have, we have resources that we've had available to us. Cause like we have uh, training partnerships with uh, DDI and Franklin Covey. And mm-hmm. so they've been offering virtual courses for years. Um, but it's something that we haven't used too much just because our clients want face to face and, you know, uh, in person. So now it's something that they're asking more for now that, uh, you know, this thing's getting pushed out a little bit. So Uh, so I've honestly, in my job, the past few weeks, I've been doing a lot of research on, all right, how do we make these virtual classes work? How do we, uh, register, you know, our participants for them? So it's a lot of, a lot of learning going on. Yeah, for sure. And Z like,
0: so you said that the barber is open because before you guys were like complete lockdown for a little bit, right?
3: Well,
2: yeah, we were on complete lockdown for probably three days, three or four days. Mm. Yeah. Everything was shut down. Right. And before that, though, you guys are at the fitness center open. And, yeah. You know, yeah. You know, the fitness center has stayed open the whole entire time on Osan Air, Air Base. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that so. is. Yeah. yeah. So- and, and, you know, every time I, you know, there's a, there's like an entry control point. You got to check in, you got to check out. Right. And so that's mm-hmm. how they control. If there happens to be someone that, you know, had a positive case or something, that's how they do their, um, their scanning and make sure that, they know who was there at the time, right. um, but I make right. sure I thank I thank those FSS folks every time I go in right. and out. I'm like, man, mm-hmm. this is this service right here on base is one of the most important activities that we have, and, and that's keeping our airmen fit. So grateful,
0: right? For sure, yeah. Because what what happens like you know that physical fitness absolutely ties to our mental fitness, and I kind of wonder you know what's going on that we might not be tracking because we don't see our people as much.
2: Yeah.
1: I was just
0: getting ready to say that you
1: don't realize how much you rely on a workout at the fitness center until you don't have that opportunity. Right. And, yeah. and then if you, if you don't do continue to do something, it, it starts to weigh on your mental uh, mm-hmm. fitness as well. Right. It's a challenge.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. I think it's like, yeah, it could become demoralizing in so many <laughs> other facets of like what you have going on when your fitness starts to drop and then, yeah, quite a bit of stuff that can happen. Second, third order effects. So, um, Derek, we always like to do this with our guests and we going to put you on the spot because okay. I know as, as humble as you are, uh, you, you probably don't like talking about yourself very much, but for us, um, we're selfish and we want to hear about you a little bit. <laughs> we want to hear your story and I think our listeners could get something. So really, we just kind of want to know like, how, you know, your story, how you got to where you're at, like, um, how you grew up in your family life or where you're from, just some of those things. Cause I think we often you know, get a glean, a little bit of wisdom coming from people's stories and kind of also can relate to them a little bit too.
1: Okay. So I'll go all the way back to um, childhood, if you will, but not too far in childhood. (laughs) So I'm born and raised in a small farming community in Illinois. And uh, so I'll be honest, my, the air force was my second choice of service. And so I was 17 years old. And I went to the Marine recruiter, did all the physical fitness stuff, right? My minimum three pull-ups, because I think that's all I could do at the time, but that was the minimum, ran, you know, did whatever else you had to do and went home and I slid the paperwork in front of my dad and said, dad, I'm, I'm going to be a Marine, hmm. sign this form. And he looked at me and he said, no, you're not. I'm not signing that form. And so, because, um, you know, at 17, you have to have parental consent. That's right. He, he was in the army and uh, during the time of Vietnam, and so he said you could join the Navy or the Air Force. And so I thought, okay, let me go check out this Air Force thing. And I was probably the easiest Air Force recruit there was because <laughs> this was 1994. And you guys, if you've been in around that time, you, you'll probably remember this poster. But it was a um, security police. Right at that time, you had SP and LE. It was security police mm-hmm. standing in front of a B-52 with an M16. And I and it was a poster on the on the recruiter's wall. And I walked in and I pointed to that and I said, that's what I want to do for the Air
3: Force. If I'm going to join
1: the Air Force, I'm going to carry a gun. And so I guaranteed security forces, right, or security police at the time came in and uh, in basic training, whenever you go to the firing range, Uh, We spent the day on the firing range. We come back. My MTI pulls me in and says, trainee Crowder, you will never carry a gun for our Air Force. (laughs) What what do you mean? They said that you shot an 11 and you Mm. needed a 14 (laughs) to qualify for the security police. And so they gave me a list of three jobs, right? And those uh, three jobs, two of them are now combined, right? One was um, personnel. The other one was services. And then the third one was material management. And so, as I read all the descriptions, the one that I thought would get me closest to carrying a gun every day was material management based on how it was worded, right? And so, I picked that job, and then uh, that was 26 years ago, and I spent, you know, I've been in supply for many years, and then nice. i now the command chief, but that's kind of how I started my Air Force journey as my second choice in my second job. But, uh, you know, I, I tell people all the time is things happen for a reason. And I don't know if I was, if I came in security police or if I came in as a Marine, I don't know that I would still be doing what I'm doing today. Um, you know, So it's been a blessing in disguise. if you think.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think that um, a lot of us kind of go through, have a lot of those um, times in our lives or like wonder what would have happened before. But when we focus on what we've actually chosen yeah. to do and all the blessings mm-hmm. that come with it. It's it's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, for my first assignment, I said I wanted to go anywhere east of the Mississippi River. And so they sent me to Holloman Air Force Base, New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> not, the, not the smartest one, but I know that the Mississippi River is anywhere near New Mexico.
0: Right. I have a similar story. I said I wanted to stay anywhere on the West Coast from Tacoma, Washington. They sent me to Robbins in Georgia. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad spot, though. Uh, it's,
3: it's, no, that not was,
2: a, it's not terrible. Not at all. They got the Masters there. <laughs>
0: well, I don't
3: Thank think, you. I mean, I don't think there's any bad assignment really. I mean, it's, and, and it's cliche to say this, you know, you make, you Uh-oh. make a <laughs> so so, <laughs> so rebuttal to that one. <laughs> when I was, uh, when I was stationed at Wright Pat, um, they had an assignment open up to Misawa and I have a small career field and I had no idea where Misawa was. I had, never even heard of Misawa, but I was at Wright Pat for about a year and a half and everyone in my department had been at Masawa for like 15, 16 years. And so when they said, hey, does anybody want anybody want to go to Masawa? My hand shot up and I said, where is it? I'll go. And uh, you know, you just, you just take those chances and Masawa was a great assignment. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah
2: i so Yeah, yeah. Hey Derek, quick question for you. Yeah. Um, I know you were, you were talking about your experiences and I know you did some time in PME. Can you talk about how uh, Airman Leadership School Shaped your perspective or, or leadership philosophy?
1: Yeah, so I was an ALS instructor for four and a half years, and I ended up uh, before I PCS, I was the commandant. I did that for about a year. I had the opportunity to do that, and you know, and I'll, I'll give you since we're just chit chat, and I'll give you kind of the story of how that how that came about. I went to Airman Leadership School for at Ileson. And then a job about a year later, year and a half later, opened up and I was still at Isleson and it was at that school. And I thought, oh, this would be awesome. Go teach at the school that, um, you know, you learn so much from as a, as a supervisor. And uh, so I applied, applied for that position and I went through a couple interviews and then uh, the flight chief commandant, uh, they called them flight chiefs during that time, but the flight mm-hmm. chief calls me back up to her office and she says, Hey, you've got a great Got a great record, you know. You've got, um, got you got a great record, and, and you went to this school, and you had great interviews. And she said, "But I'm I'm not going to hire you." Hmm. And I said, uh, "You know, said, do you mind if I if I ask why?" And she said, "Well, honestly, all those things aside, you look terrible at uniform." Hmm. Wow. And and I thought, okay, wow, all right. And uh, and I'll be honest with you, uh, it was a it was the right thing for her to say to me. You know, we always talk about tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear, and that was what I needed to hear. Needed to hear at that time. I'd been in Alaska for three three years, and right, in, and it's an excuse. That's all it is. It's it gained quite a bit of weight. You know, wasn't doing much physical activity in the in the winter time. Wasn't doing much yeah. in the summer time except fishing. Right, and easy so to our, do in
3: Alaska, right? Yeah, it, it is <laughs> easy to gain We're, weight up there. Yeah, our,
1: our first kid was born. Right, so I was yeah. spending time indoors with with my family, right? And so I went back to work and my boss, the master sergeant at the time, could tell that something was really bothering me. And so uh, he said, you know, how'd it go? And I said, well, I didn't get the job. So I was going into the story and uh, he said, well, if you want that job, you got to work for it. And I -hmm. said, okay. He said, I'll see you at the gym on Monday at 5 a.m. And for nine months, nine months, he met me at the gym at 5 a.m. Never met Right, I did occasionally, right, and he would come <laughs> knock on my door, right, in housing, and if I didn't show up because he knew that that I wanted that job and I was just making an excuse to not go to the gym, and so he worked for me, or I mean, he worked worked out with me for nine months, and then another job came open, and I applied, and I got that the opportunity to go teach there, and so I, I shared that because that's really the individual that shaped me as a leader, and the irony to that story is the the commandant had swapped out in those nine months, right. Or around that same time, about the nine month mark. And it's funny because the person who was working out with me every morning at 5.00 AM was the new commandant. And so, so it it worked out in a sense, but you know, and and it wasn't that he hired me because he knew me, but I will tell you, he probably hired me and I know he hired me because he knew what my work ethic was at that time. Because when he said, hey, if you want this job, you got to work for it. And so that really shaped who I was as a leader in in a sense that, and that kind of goes to a a philosophy that I have, and and that's the commitment, right? Commitment's one of the things that I talk about in my leadership philosophy and committed. And he was committed to me. I was committed to the job. And so that kind of shaped who I was as a supervisor moving forward because he didn't have to get up at 5 a.m. He lived off base, right? He lived in North Pole, Alaska. About fifteen or twenty minute drive to work every day, and if we're meeting at five, you can do the math on what time he's getting up in the morning to get to the gym by five a.m. And so that level of commitment that he displayed to me, I always said, "I'm going to give that same level of commitment to the folks that, that work for me as well." And so that really shaped who I was, right? Every single day working with that individual for a couple of years. So it was a good, uh, good experience. I That's know, a great
2: but, story.
3: Hey, really and especially happens. with those sub-zero <laughs> temperatures. Getting up that early and to meet somebody at the gym and stuff. Because you got to let your truck run for about 20 minutes. That's right. Yeah. Especially if you didn't have a a block battery in there. uh,
2: Cue the Rocky scene where he's carrying like the (laughs) the, the Uh, log on his back.
0: Uh, I mean, that's a commitment. And then also the the fact that that person – that embodied such a great, you know, uh, character got to be the commandant too. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of people that we want, you know, teaching our folks how to be good. Yeah, system. it was great. It really was.
1: I like so, to share the story because I think that really tells you what, what somebody can do for you as a supervisor. Yeah.
3: Well, and, and I tell you, I tell you what, that it also kind of reminds you of the importance of actually joining the service is, is there's a commitment yeah. expectation from the service member um, and I, and I know, and I've been retired for about five years now, but, um, I know when I was at Scott and I was the career assistance advisor there and, um, we'd have all these airmen and a lot of young ones coming in expecting a whole lot, you know, they, they, they wanted so much and they hadn't really had a chance to commit to anything yet. And there were some that were frustrated that they get, they didn't get BTZ right off the bat, or they didn't, uh, you know, I was supposed to come in with two stripes. I only came in with one. And, and when I came in, you were, there wasn't those giveaways as far as, you know, negotiating with the recruiters on, you know, what strike you came in with, you came in as an Airman basic. And so it's one of those things where I I think it's important to remind people that you need to commit yourself to the enterprise, to the company, to the organization. If you expect the company enterprise organization to commit to you, and it's gotta be, you know, you gotta meet them halfway.
0: I mean that's that's a great point because I think a lot of people will hear that story and depending on what lens they're listening to they're like how come my supervisor doesn't do that for me and right, they yeah. won't even listen to the part where the commitment that that you know Derek had to have to also meet that person halfway right they're not even focusing on that some you know, some right. people might be looking at it like that and it's, and I think that a lot of times we are feel entitled like I'm entitled to have right. a great supervisor 100% of the time which none of us you know probably are blessed with that you know.
3: right.
2: yeah yeah. That brings up a, a point though, is like, you know, when you commit yourself to someone like that, right. From the supervisor's hat and, and that person isn't willing to give the same amount of commitment. How does that, how does that change your commitment to, to that subordinate if it does at all? I mean, that's, that's a question. Th- yeah. Right. Mean, well, that's, well, that's, that's,
3: yeah. And I'll say for me, it's, It's easy because guess what? I got nine other subordinates who are looking for that attention, right? And so we've talked about this before, Joe. You get get a whole room full of people that all want a promotion, an award, some kind of recognition, but one or two are working for it, right? And the other group is like, I just want it because it's something that's out there that should be available to me. But you got those one or two that really are, you know, the cream rises to the top, right? Is that right? The cream of the crop, mm, Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, house of, house it, of it, pain or something. It, I don't it, know. it
0: works now. <laughs> <you're
3: just> <laughs> we got it. <like, laughs> but but you know if if you gotta you gotta show that commitment to the team, to the organization, to whoever, if you expect that in return. And and I I don't know what it's like now. I haven't been in in, in almost five years, but I know there were there were challenges that I had with some of my troops that they expected to come in, you know, run in the show. And, you know, they just graduated from tech school. They, they wanted their own office with a window and, and all those great things. And it's like, well, you got to work through it. You got to work <laughs> your way up. Well, I think you need to look at it from
1: the standpoint of when we talk about commitment is do they want for themselves the same thing that I want for them?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because they may not. Mm-hmm. I may be wanting them to have a different level of commitment for something that I want for them when that's not what they want for themselves at right. this moment in their life. And so we have to you have to take that in consideration. Sure. Right? Like some people will, will will you know, question why somebody doesn't want to get promoted or why somebody doesn't want to go on this assignment, you know, and, and you name the the situation. And one, if I don't know what's happening in their life right now, it's very difficult mm-hmm. for me to say, you know, I don't understand why you don't want this. This is good sure. for me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think we have to step back and look at that every once in a while too. And so, but if they tell me, Hey, I'm committed, this is what I want. Yeah. Then that's, that's a whole different answer. Right. right? Then you have to figure out, okay, well you say you want it, but why aren't you willing to work for it?
0: Right. Do you right? really want
1: it? My, my kids are older now, but you know, when my son was playing, uh, youth basketball, football, all that stuff, right. You just cause you're athletic doesn't mean you get to be a starter on the team.
2: Mm-hmm. You've got to work
1: for it. Right. And I used yeah. to tell him when he was, Uh, coming up in, in high school and playing baseball, you know, I would, I'd go into his room and then he's a great kid. Right. But I would, you know, I'm typical dad, right. Walk into his room while he's sitting on his, on his bed, you know, playing on his phone. I said, Hey, you know what your competition's doing right now?
3: They're Mm -hmm. working
1: to take your spot. Mm -hmm. Right. You either want it or you don't. Right. And then typically after saying that he'd get up, he'd go out in the garage and he'd do batting practice. I hit into the net a couple hundred balls because, you know, it was that constant reminder of like, this is what you said you wanted. And so now I'm reminding you that this is what you want. It's not what I want. It's what mm-hmm. you want. All right? And so just a couple different scenarios where the answer may be a little bit different in, in how you handle that situation.
3: Yeah. And I, and I could say, I know I've made mistakes trying to give airmen what I wanted them to have. Right. You know, it, you know, I had, I had one, one guy was up when I was at Travis that uh, I was trying to get him pumped up. He didn't have a CCAF, and I was trying to really push him to get a CCAF, and there was a, a, a CCAF ceremony, and I said, hey, I'm going to need you to be the, uh, uh, the guy on stage handing the awards and all that stuff. No, it was an award ceremony. And uh, I thought, you know, maybe if he saw that and he got that experience and that exposure, he would kind of get excited about it. And uh, so afterwards, I, hey, how'd it go? What'd you think? And he's like, Worst experience of my life. Why'd you give that to me? <laughs> right. And I'm yeah. like, Why not? You need to be up front. And he was like, No, I don't, I don't want that. I just want to come do my job, go home, hang out with my right. kids. I said, Okay, all right. My, yeah. my bad. Bad on Sergeant Green. I, I, you know, it was a huge mistake. So I, I think that's important. Like you said, Derek, it's important to know what they want uh, and know what they want to be committed to instead of just trying to force what you want on, on other people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah i think but i think it's also like very we get we gotta be honest for ourselves sometimes you know we will have that challenging person and yeah and and it does impact my motivation a little bit and i just gotta spin it back around right like when this person's saying that they want something and they're not working towards it yeah um, and those are but um it takes a lot of humility also to realize that maybe you're not that leader that's gonna be able to motivate that person you know it might be somebody else maybe um i gotta call frank like hey frank can you have a talk with you know um maybe they relate to you a little bit more you know and Mm -hmm. a lot of people are afraid to do that yeah
3: so you you talked about pme you talked about being an als instructor um was there a time in your career where you thought okay this is it for me i'm i'm going you know full on i'm 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 100 committed to the air force this is going to be a lifestyle for me did you have one of those particular assignments
1: You know, so you talk about. Um, I always hear people say, "When did you join the Air Force?" Right? Yeah. Came in in nineteen ninety four. But when did you join? Yeah. And so I got I got a story for everything, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm, just, I'm just a story <laughs> as, as a topic. good chief
3: will <laughs> <laughs>
1: situation, right? And so, so I'll be honest. I was getting out of the Air Force about four different times. Yeah. Um, in my career, and so I came in, was going to do four, and then. You know, they said, "Hey, do you want to reenlist?" And I'm like, oh, "I got nothing else going on, so I may as well may as well reenlist." And then, then I'd been in eight, and and I had applied for a position in the Illinois Guard. You know, my my father-in-law was uh, in the guard, my brother-in-law was in the guard unit there, and so I applied. I was going to go back home at that point. I was missing the, you know, the springs and the four seasons, the you know, the fall and all that in, in Illinois, and so I wanted to go back to Illinois. And, and had applied and was in communication with the recruiter over there and just couldn't, couldn't pull the trigger to, to separate at that time. And so then, you know, re-enlisted again, 12 years. And then, you know, at that point, okay, I'm gonna stay till 20, right? 20 years and I'm, I'm done. And went to Korea, was non-balled to Kunsan, right? Ended up being a fantastic assignment. I love the Wolfpack. It's a mm-hmm. great place to, great place to be stationed. Uh, but that was probably 18, 17, 18 years. And uh <clears throat> was over there and I made chief and then uh, came back to Scott, did a follow on back to Scott and mm-hmm. thought, OK, I'm going to I'm going to wear chief three years and then I'm going to be done. right? And So my point in sharing that is I will tell you, I was always committed to doing the best for the Air Force that I could. But if I ever was at a point where I would have walked away, I would have been okay with, with, you know, my performance at that point. But I I never did. And so when I really say I joined the Air Force, it was probably at that point when when I became the chief. And and that may sound, you know, bad to some, but the the point is, is I was going to do 20 years and move on to something else. Yeah. Right. And so made chief and then um, went to the the staff at AMC and, and had the opportunity to go be the MSG superintendent at Scott and then had the opportunity to, to go to school in Alabama and then had the opportunity to be a command chief at, at uh, first fighter wing at Langley. And so my, my point is, is, is really, you know, when was I all in the air force? Probably five years ago, right. Wow. Yeah. All in, all in till 30. And, and so w- when I say that, it, it's not that I was ever, you know, on. Oh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to get out and go do something else. I may have had those thoughts, but it was always the atmosphere and the culture and the environment of the Air Force that kept me in and kept me motivated uh, to do the best that I possibly could. And so um, if you were to ask me, you know, 20 years ago, how long are you going to serve? I would I probably would have said the same thing I'll say today until I'm, until I'm not, you know, making an impact anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, and there were times where, four years, eight years, 12 years, right? When you, when you re-enlisted where it just became, you know, I'm staying because I'm concerned about stepping out and doing something different. Even though I know in my mind, part of that was the fear that you have is the culture and the family lifestyle that the Air Force provides, it's not the same, may not be the same on the outside world. When right. you've been retired for five years, I mean, what, what do you what do you miss the most mm-hmm. about the Air Force?
3: I, uh, I tell you what I, I, I found myself I'm in a great position now where my boss is retired Navy and so, so yeah. we, we, we kind of connect now and it's funny because like during a lot of meetings he's like deferring to me for things because we understand each other mm-hmm. um, but, I, but I tell you what there's that, that recognition of, uh, of a team kind of mindset. You know, know, since I since I've been out, I work with a great team now, but I've worked in departments and organizations where it was every man for himself. Right. Their objective was to come in, do the job, go home. And they didn't really weren't invested in the overall mission of the organization. And so what I miss about the military in that environment is that culture of, uh, you know, wingmanship. And I know sometimes it gets tossed around like it's cliche, but I mean, I wouldn't be friends with Frank and Joe and, and a lot of other people going on five years retired, still staying in touch doing what we're doing now if that wasn't important. Right. And and what I've seen is those lessons learned in the military, man, if civilian world would just adopt some of those things, like deliberate development, like the wingman concept, uh, if they would just adopt some of those things, how more productive and efficient organizations can run. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I thought you were gonna say zero five thirty PT. I was oh, gonna yeah. say, and, and yeah. I'm all about that too. Yeah, yeah. I'm all okay. about that too. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that that makes an interesting point too, because we were talking uh, about like when you know where you're in, but I think sometimes people don't realize when they should be done. Right? They're, they're yeah. hanging around. <laughs> well, I knew low. when I was done. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Oh, we we knew when you were done. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was funny because um, it, it sounds like a, he's a terrible example of this. But I remember listening to um Brett Favre talk about when he was. That he was ready to retire, and right, and he, how many times did he retire and come back? I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. He, but he talked about how um, he knew that he'd be done when it wasn't when he was tired of the game. Because he knew he would never be tired of the game like you know none of us would we're never gonna be tired of coming to work and being with our airmen and you know right. doing all that stuff but he said it was when he was tired of and started set a bad example by not coming up to practice not carrying yeah. his pads not wanting to recover and not do all those you know ancillary things and I think that's when we probably got to look at it too' it was like when I'm tired of mock PT tests to the point where I'm just like, <laughs> where I'm a bad example now or the administravia we got to deal with. And I'm just not, because I'm never going to be tired of spending time with airmen and, and executing mission. I, I just, mm-hmm. I don't think I
1: ever will. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's when all the, the other things um, kind of weigh you down. At that point, you need to say, I'm, I'm not making as big of an impact as I can. Yeah. And it's time yeah. to, to move on and, and let somebody else make that impact. Brett Favre played about three seasons too long. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's funny. It's like a, yeah. uh, it's ironic that he was the one that said that, but he almost like you know he went against what he said. So, yeah. but uh, oh, yeah, but,
2: yeah. But that's pretty cool. So you guys, yeah, go ahead. Z. You guys might not be uh, have the freedom to do this, but uh, since I'm a senior, I have I have a note <laughs> email day, right? Mm-hmm. And that's my day to step away from the administrivia. And just go talk to airmen. And that gets me back in the saddle every time.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Right. Yeah, I I think uh, I'm I'm sure I've seen Derek do it too. Like
0: I I have, I typically block off time for out and abouts to go do that. And sometimes it's um, a deliberate approach to it, like going to do that. And I know then I'm making a decision to probably knock out some stuff Saturday morning. Right. Because I just, I just know right. that I, but I'd rather go do that while the airmen are around and maybe knock out a couple of admin things when, by the way, I can knock out like way more into one hour on a Saturday morning than I could like <laughs> five hours, you know, when everybody's right, walking right. into office in for office. sure. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I remember, um, <clears throat> it was probably like a year before I retired or actually, no, it's probably like right before I pushed the button and, uh, I was at a, I think it was a squadron meeting group meeting and they were talking about having, um, I guess Travis was trying to save some budget money or whatever and get some, uh, uh in, instead of having uh, like a contract to come out and, uh, mow and, and weed the, the fence line, uh, yeah. to get like airmen out there or get, you know, get volunteers to come out and do it like on two or three okay. days a week or something like that. And I said, cool, sign me up. You know, that would be great to get out there and, and the other senior NCOs like looked at me like, "What? What are you talking about?" And I said, "Yeah, it's a good chance. We get up in the morning, uh, go out there. You know, it's, the weather's nice. We can chat with the airmen. We can pick up some weeds, pull some weeds. You know." And they and and this a couple of people were like, "Are you signing up for that?" I said, "Yeah, why not?" They're like, "Well, you know, we're busy. We have meetings." I go, "We don't have meetings at six thirty in the morning." <laughs> well, but you know, it's going to take us time to get back from the meeting. I go you know, when we volunteer for this, it's like once a month, it's not that big of a deal. And mm. they're like, well, if you do it, they're going to expect all of us to do it too. Because senior NCOs. And I'm like, but No, no, I was, I was I was just, it was just one of those things where I'm like, we, we get, getting around those people, oh. it reminds you of why you, why you joined in the first place. Right. And I could tell you, for me, my first few years, there was no professional development. We didn't have you know, we had criminals as our, as our mentors, you know, so in a lot of ways, (laughs) it was, was, you know, and so, uh, it was, it was one of those things where if I could tell these airmen, you know, the right way, the wrong way to things to be, uh, focused on, you know, that's what, that's what I wanted to do. And so when I became a a FTAC NCIC and then a career advisor, man, that was the dream job. I was all in, I, I got to be around them all the time, you know?
0: Yeah. That's funny. I remember that time when that contract
3: because I was I was here
0: in CE <laughs> when that contract happened. And like, it, 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 well, I think it had to do with uh, the money. We didn't have any money, and uh, and we can. Um, it was the same time where we had no money because either the government shutdown or something weird happened. Yeah. And, and when the contract was supposed to be renewed at the same time, so we were all out there picking weights, <laughs> Break out yeah. <up> the screwdriver. <laughs> that was some good times, man. Good times. <laughs> so, it's
1: a great but, time to spend with your airman, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. yeah. Right, you know, get out there before the day starts and, and spend a little bit of time with them. No, yeah, and we all know they value that. That's Man. absolutely,
3: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. So, hey, Derek, I got a question for yeah. you. So, I, I have, I mean, the biggest organization I've been um, uh, just privileged enough to serve as a leader in has been probably about five to six hundred people, and now you got like this gigantic, just battleship
3: right <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that you're trying
0: to influence what are some of the things that might have even like well some of the challenges that you faced and maybe even some things that might have surprised you when you took on something because this is your uh second right command chief um gig so like what are some of those things that like just you know that really just drove you like wow this is a challenge
1: this is something that's very difficult that you might not have expected to be so i think so my first my first wing was the first fighter wing and it was about 1400 folks. Right. And so, yeah, it was a small It was maintenance and ops, Mm -hmm. a great wing to be a part of. Uh, but what with, with that wing, you know, and that amount of people and putting the out and abouts on my calendars I did, there were days where, where I had half of a day blocked to go hang out and launch jets all afternoon with, with maintainers, right? Or I would go, to sit in the tower for a couple hours with an earpiece piece in and, and listen to the afternoon launch of F-22s. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have all of the, the base um, support stuff. And so a lot of the meetings that I have now, I didn't attend because my boss, as the wing commander of the first, we had the 633rd wing commander that handled all of the, you know, they, that uh, Colonel owned the installation. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when I came here, the amount of, of meetings that, that I absorbed, right. That was a shock to me. And the fact that I could, uh, you know, I knew a lot more about individuals at the first fighter wing than I do here, because when I went to, you know, our OG there was 240 people. And so when I went to Intel, the shop of 40, I mean, I could, you know, and I went for, was there for a year. And so I would go every, you know, every month I would probably hit a squadron, right, once a month at least. And so you, you got to spend time, multiple, you know, sessions with the same individuals, right, and the same group of individuals. And so you, you knew a lot more about them as individuals, right, them as people uh, versus, you know, here where there's so many people. It's, you know, I'll talk to folks and I'm like, hey, how long have you been here? And they're like, oh, I've been here nine years. You know, and I've been here almost two years right. and I'm thinking, okay, I think, okay, I probably should have seen you or coined you for, you know, before now. Right. right? But it's just, it's so massive that it makes mm-hmm. it, it makes it challenging and the amount of time that I have to get out and about right. is, is a lot less. So to, to Frank's point just a minute ago, right? The no emails mm-hmm. um, is, is a great way to do it. And Joe said he blocks his calendar and I do that, that same thing because you have to be deliberate about that if you want to get out and mm-hmm. go spend time with folks because if you don't, you quickly realize it's now 5.30 and you mm-hmm. haven't seen anybody but your email inbox. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. so th- those, those couple things were the biggest um, surprises, right? I don't want to say challenges because they're not necessarily challenges, mm-hmm. but those were the biggest surprises. And so I, I valued my time at the first before I came out here because coming out here to this big wing, you know, I had a little bit of time as a command chief. And so I had a little bit of experience before I moved to this wing. And so I wasn't learning how to be a command chief along, mm-hmm. you know, with, within the same time of learning the wing. I was able to right. do that and understand, okay, this is how I'm going to lead as a command chief when right. I came out here. And so it definitely was, was, was different. Um, yeah. It's been, it's been fantastic. Yeah. That's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah. I, that, and I think, cause I was, just, one thing that I, I learned real quick, um, when I first put on Chief was what you say, you have to be very careful about oh. what comes out of your mouth, right because you could even be sarcastic and say something, and it could become Chief said that right yeah. <laughs> yeah. and it was amazing one time I think um I, uh, my my engineers at a previous base were saying that uh yeah, they didn't have enough time to do some of the work orders that we had, and I said. Hey, I don't, I, or they didn't have enough manpower. And I said, I don't really want to hear anything, any issues with manpower. When I walk down the hall and I see we're having a bunch of barbecues, right? Like on Fridays, yeah. right? I, I don't have any issue with barbecues. I'm just saying that, you know, I don't want you complaining about how you don't have enough time to get work done if we're having barbecues on duty hours. Right. And then that turned into chief hates barbecues. Right?
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: so then next thing you know, I see people with black bags, like carrying on. I was like, what's in there? They're like, Oh, nothing. I'm like, what's what's in there and it's like oh, oh we we're having a barbecue this afternoon i was like why are you hiding it like we heard that you really don't like barbecues oh
2: wow I'm like what
0: yeah, yeah it's, it's wild a buddy of mine in maintenance said that he said hey you guys need some more knives next thing you know they ordered 300 knives the next day he was like why'd you order 300 knives like chief said they needed some more knives
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah so well and that's you know, that's a very, very good point. And a, yeah. a mentor of mine shared that when I first mm-hmm. became a chief, he said, the best advice I can give you is to listen first and speak mm-hmm. last. Right. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. when you speak first, you know, and you're trying to solve a problem, the team that's mm-hmm. around your table, mm-hmm. if you say an idea, that's going to be the idea that they implement. Absolutely right? Right. Yeah. Because you didn't listen to, you know, you didn't <laughs> listen to their ideas. And so when you sit down, say, "Here's, here's the dilemma, here's the challenge, here's what I want to get after. Now let's figure out how we can do it. And then you sit back and listen to the team mm-hmm. formulating ideas, because even though you may already know how you want to solve, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think it was at the command chief course uh, that I went to, or it was the um, AMC uh, chief course when I first made chief, but they said a chief's whisper is a shout yeah. to people. Right, and so you very absolutely have to be careful on on what you say because they will take it and they will run with it, even though right. that's not necessarily what you meant. You don't hate barbecues. You were right. just making the point of <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: telling me you need more people when you you know take the six that are man in the barbecue grill right now. Yeah,
2: right, right, For yeah. Sure. Things things that you say turn into a tasker. Right, yeah, because yeah. Be, yeah, because and that's inadvertently. Right. And and even though you didn't mean it that way, you have anxious followers that are just trying to like fulfill your intent yeah. and get after it. It's just, uh, yeah, you're careful what you say. Yeah.
1: Absolutely.
0: For sure. And I think a lot of us are probably even dealing with it um, at the various levels of leadership, whether we're in or not. Like there's, there's times where um, you, you have to deal with these problems and the higher you go on to in the hierarchy of whatever your organization's in, those problems would become a lot more complex. Like there's no more easy answer. I, I was at, um, the, U um, command chief summit. And I remember, uh, Juan Lewis was there and he had brought something up and, um, thank goodness. He's, he's looking healthy again right now,
3: but, uh,
0: yeah, he, yep. um, he he brought up. He was like, you know, you know how Juan is. He'll so just he'll just go off, right? And he said, uh, he said. I don't know. I always hear people say, "Don't bring me a problem unless you bring me a solution." And he was like, "I get what people are trying to say, but that sounds like the dumbest thing ever. Why would you bring me the problem <laughs> if you already have a solution?" Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, You're "I the get the, the intent most of stuff. it, right? But yeah. I mean like, but the, by the time it becomes, you know, our problem, you know, as a as a leader, they've already tried to work on it, right? And a lot of times the answer to that problem is either bad or worse right you like trying to figure out what the least bad <laughs> answer to it a lot of times it gets that complex
3: absolutely yeah so so Derek, what what's something that uh gets you i guess keeps you motivated after you know 20 plus years in the service that keeps you coming back every day
1: oh uh, so the, really my two big my two big motivators are the the individuals that you get the opportunity to serve with every single day. Right. And, um, spending time with those folks and watching, watching individuals achieve their goals, whatever that is. I mean, that's, that's, and we all know that, right. That's, that's what motivates you, but also my family. Yeah. I've talked, uh, we've talked in the past about, you know, uh, retiring. And so my daughter is a senior in high school this year and this is her, third high school. And so she yeah. says, you know, same challenges that a lot of military kids have. And I've always said, is if you guys, if you guys say you're done, then I'll be done, mm-hmm. you know, because um, at the, at the, at the end of my career, the three most, people, or three most important people will be sitting in the front row and that's my wife and two kids, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what success looks like for me, not what's on your sleeve or on your chest as far as rank goes, but that's, that's how I define success. Uh, but the motivation piece is not you know they motivate me I and mean, then just having the opportunity to to spend time with folks, right and and learn from from great leaders in our air Force, you know regardless of what level they're at, right? I mean, I learned from chiefs, but I learned from airmen too, right We learned from civilians. we learned from from everybody and it's it's just that's the best part uh, to me about what I get to do every single day is sit and, and talk with folks and, and learn about who they are as people and why they serve and what their goals and aspirations are. And that to me uh, puts a smile on my face. And, and yeah. when I come home at the end of the day, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm motivated and, and I'm ready to put that uniform on and get after it again tomorrow.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I bet it's, it's pretty rewarding when you know, um, at the end of the day, there's some really great people in the military and especially in the air force. I mean, there's some, uh, I remember being at Scott, right, and and as the CAA, and you got Transcom there, SCDC there. Uh, I don't know how many other commands are at that base, right? So many, and you learn so much. But at the end of the day, you learn how dedicated and committed people are, and how smart they are, and mm-hmm. and it's it's motivating to go back out and do a good job on their behalf because you right. can see uh, just just that hope and that that and incredible just fortitude that a lot of people have. Oh yeah, absolutely. Hey, hey
2: Derek, um, you know, I know you said when you first came in, you said you wanted to be a Marine. Uh, Have have you then since been able to uh, work with Marines and and check out their culture? So the only the only opportunity I had to work
1: with the Marines was when I was uh, on the 365 in Afghanistan. And I worked at a uh, logistics facility in Kabul and I had a, a joint team where I had one, I think I was, there was two Air Force, and then the rest were Army, Navy, and I had one one Marine. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was my, and he ran the, the warehouse down at the bottom of the hill, and it was just, uh, I would sit and talk with him for hours afterwards. <laughs> he just had, he had some of the best stories. I was in E7, he was in E5, I think. Um, and he just had some of the best stories. That's been my only experience, yeah. but it, it was
3: absolutely fantastic.
2: Yeah. Now, Frank,
3: Frank Do what? yeah Frank you went to their their senior NCO Academy right I did yeah oh, that probably, was because
2: yeah. um, you know I've, I've always wanted I was always curious about other services I just felt like Air Force was the was the best service for me at that time and so then when the opportunity came when I was at Travis to, to go to a sister service senior NCO Academy mm-hmm. you know I got fortunately I got accepted to go to the one in Kaplan June That's awesome. and I was maybe uh, 10 or 12 air force guys out of a uh, um, 80 or 90 in the student body and it was an amazing experience those uh shout out to the devil dogs man those guys are are <laughs> hardcore different culture for yeah. sure like like we were doing qc right as senior ncos yeah i think it's called qc where you yeah cq cq, yeah, CQ yeah and i'm like why are we doing cq they're like <laughs> they're like uh in case something happens i'm like so we're standing here at zero it was sitting here with a green book you know those traditional like military green books signing in everybody they're like, yeah, just in case you know people get into a fight. I'm like, what are we gonna do? Why, like, why do you-? <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not armed. But you know, yeah, I think Air Force used to do it a long time ago, but Marines just kind of kept CQ. They still do it to this day, I believe. Yeah. Deterrent. You get the
3: you get the referee.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. play
0: by play. That's, yeah. a, that's funny. Like what, And what, Derek, what you're saying about like that guy had the best stories. It, it, I think in the engineer community, it, we, we consider those our uh, water and fuel systems maintenance guys, our plumbers. They always have the yeah. best story. When we're in a room, suddenly the, the plumber in the room is going to have the, the most amazing stories about what they've seen or touched or dealt with.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, and he would just share stories about things that he had seen and, and how supervisors had reacted to it. And the whole time, you're just thinking, there is no way. That, that would fly in the air force
2: right, right. Mm-hmm. just it was a different
1: different culture i mean this was even 12 15 years ago you know so where we're at today was different than than where we were at then but yeah he had he had some he had some good ones i enjoyed yeah. talking with him <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. so so there so are our, our paths crossed you and i back uh-huh. scott with with the whole afsa thing yep. um what is there what would you say you got most from uh being a part of an organization like air Force Surgeons Association? so I
1: for AFSA so I really came up in in AFSA as an yeah. organization and so I joined you know I did the typical this was back in the day when every ALS graduate gets <laughs> a year free membership right yeah yeah. and so I joined in that year and then I think I renewed it after that and then when I became an ALS instructor at IELTS um had the opportunity to to get in run for a position right on the council and so was able to do that, and then that kind of led to other things and other positions. And so for me, it was it was an opportunity to lead outside of your normal uh, organization, yeah. right? leading folks from across the installation and at different ranks. And at, at Ileson, I was the president of AFSA as a staff sergeant. And so having the opportunity to lead different ranks because there it was you know we're all AFSA members, right. right? Trying to support the same same cause. And so for in that opportunity I learned a ton of leadership and I think that's really what you get because you know you can lead in your organization but when you step outside of your organization and you have to lead in something that you're not familiar with and and Scott you were in AFSA for many years and so you know the the big thick books as soon as you become president they send you the the PDF file and it's about 900 pages and they tell you here's how you run a chapter.
3: Yeah. Right? I'm like, why did Zaleski show? talk yeah. me into this? That's what I kept saying. Yeah. And Al Lewis, those guys. Yeah.
1: Why did I volunteer for this? I don't know. You know, but, but I grew as a leader and you really, I really stretched myself because you, you know, people come to you for the answer and they're looking for yeah. you to, to lead that organization and, and you've got to step up and do it. You know, it's not an APR goal.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think to just kind of add on to that a little bit, it's one of those things that prepares you for future senior NCO and chief roles is because you are now communicating with people outside of your organization. You're Mm -hmm. learning what makes other people tick. You're building those those networks, so to speak. So when you're a part of an organization like that, because I know sometimes they get looked down upon because, you know, people accuse, you know, people who are involved in those as they're just trying to get promoted. Right. Um, but when you learn how to network and how to communicate with people from different organizations, uh, different backgrounds, different environments, uh, that's why I think programs are, or organizations like AFSA are so important. Uh, and like you mentioned, it, it gives you the opportunity to lead, especially at a younger rank uh, right. than a lot of than you would probably in, in a normal uh, right. military setting. Well, you know,
1: Go
0: ahead. Oh, that's a vital point. And I think I always talk to uh, my folks about that. My senior NCOs like, Hey, don't do it because the book says so do it because you understand why the book says so. Right. And I'm, uh, you know, like whatever. uh, And I'm talking about the little Brown book that we kind of, the unlisted Force structure is what kind of guides us. But I'm like, Hey, don't just do it as a checklist. Like, why is it say that? Right. So, and, and, and like to your point, Scott, you get peer leadership skills, and yeah. a whole bunch of other skills that comes along with it, right? Because you're leading an organization to success and they have no, they, 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 you don't have any real authority over them to have to do what you want them to do. Right. And if you're able to guide people like that to something, you know, you have a level of leadership that other people are just don't have. And I think yeah. it's important that we develop that on the way there. So yeah. I think if we explain that a little bit more, and I try to do that with my folks to kind of get it a little bit better, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, I talk when I talk with folks and they're asking about, hey, should I should I run for this or should I run Mm -hmm. for that? You know, should I do I need to be part of the top three council? And and my answer is you can be a part of whatever you want to be a part of. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And so what I mean by that is you're learning leadership lessons in that opportunity right? It doesn't matter to me if it's top three, mm-hmm. if it's AFSA, if it's five, six, or if mm-hmm. you're on the board for your local church, right? right? You you're leading mm-hmm. in a different capacity than what you do every single day. And so when people ask me, do I need to be on the top three council? And my answer is no. As a senior NCO, you need to support the top three, however yeah. you can, whatever that looks like for you in your mm-hmm. current life and in your current position. Right. That may mean you just you volunteer at the the, the bake sale or, or whatever it is, right? That's supporting mm-hmm. the top three. Mm-hmm. If you're asking me, do I need to be in a leadership position? My answer to anybody of any rank is always going to be yes, right? Mm-hmm. You pick the organization that you want to be a part of. Right. It can be a school board. It can be on your mm-hmm. church council. It doesn't matter to me right. because what you said earlier is they don't have to listen to you. Right. The challenge is getting them. To want to listen to you right. like when you're leading your peers. And that's completely different than when you're leading within your organization. Yeah. hundred mm-hmm. percent.
0: So, so Hey Derek, we're um, before we start wrapping this up, I wanted to um, ask you, cause I know you're an avid reader. Uh, I've been in your office before and seen some of the great books that you read. What are some that you um, that you might often gift or recommend to people?
1: So there's my favorite book of all time is by Lou Holtz okay, and it's titled wins losses and lessons, nice. right? And so that was when I started reading years ago, that was the first book that I picked up and, and read probably since high school. That wasn't the PDG, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's a book that I give to folks that may not necessarily be readers, but they're fans of sports. And I do that because if I can get you to read this book because it interests you because you're a football fan, Mm -hmm. then that may lead to other things that you will want to read. Right. And there's a lot of leadership lessons in that book, but you don't realize it because you're reading a book about Mm -hmm. Lou Holtz coaching right through the, through the years at six different universities. And so that's one that I give. And the other one that I usually give out is uh, everybody matters by Bob Chapman. Okay. And the thing that I like about that book is there's a quote in there that that I always like to say when I'm giving that book out and it depends on who you are as a leader, whether or not I give you that book or another book. Mm-hmm. But this one here is when it says anybody can run a family business, but it takes someone special to run a business like a family. Mm-hmm. And so when when there's a leader that that I really think leads in an organization and treats that organization like family, then that's a book that I, I give that individual because it's, there's a lot of leadership lessons in that book. And I think that quote right there, and that's on like page three. But when I read that, that to me, was, yeah. I fell in love with that book because it's absolutely right. is This is a family, right? And when I come into or, an organization, I want to feel like I'm part of that family. Yeah. And then there's a couple others that I give. But those are the two that, that I really think are my probably top two books that I like to give out to people.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And we'll, we'll be sure to add those um, books onto the show notes. We like to add yeah. those on there in case anybody wants to take a look yeah. and uh, a peek to go order those too. and we link them on there. So thank you for sharing those. Cause I actually, I haven't read either one of those. So I'll be adding those to the, the, infinite list of books I want to read
1: one day (laughs)
0: that's that's awesome so if if it ends up missing off
3: your show yeah I know yeah
0: yeah I I know the code so (laughs) (laughs) cool but you You know you got
3: a library card system or anything like (laughs) that like you just check it out
0: yeah. Yeah, no, I wish I wish I, I did. At, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I never know when mine I was like, oh I, I had to go buy another copy of a couple of books that I'd yeah, yeah, like Yeah, I have yeah. this all the time. But it's okay. good for like if they if they end up getting some of it, it's worth it. there you go.
1: Yeah.
0: Absolutely. But yeah, so so we're going to wrap it up because Z's going to rub in our face that he has a tea time. Cause he actually has <laughs> the ability to go golf right now, which is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: it's morning there, isn't it? I forgot that. It yeah. Is. Oh, yeah.
3: yeah. It's, yeah. it's about to be 9am. Yeah. 9 a. M. Yeah. Oh. yeah. But it's, it's a lot closer to Monday too. So, right.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Good point. point. That is true.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But so Derek, we really appreciate your time. And I think that a lot of people are going to get a lot of great stuff out of this conversation. And, um, and I just, and I learned a lot and I love, uh, I just love having a conversation with you all the time. So thank you.
1: Thank you guys. I appreciate that. One, I think what you guys are doing is absolutely fantastic. Um, I've listened to, to everyone that you put out there and there's a lot of, a lot of good, good stuff in there and so thanks for thanks for doing that keep it up thanks for the opportunity to come hang out with you guys for a little bit scott it's good seeing you
3: you too you too
1: quite a few years so that's good yeah Yeah. right nice meeting you yeah, sure.
0: always always a pleasure. Yes, sir. So we're gonna to have to have you back on, Derek, when you when you take on your new job to see what new uh, surprises you have. <laughs> oh. Taking on the chief the
1: Chiefs group. be <laughs> quite a few. Oh yeah,
0: that's gonna be awesome. But thank you again, um, and thank you to our all of our listeners. Um, as always, stay safe, um, stay healthy, and llamas are out.
1: All right.
3: Later. See ya. Thanks, guys. All right. Have Thanks. a good one. Thanks, Derek. You too. Thanks for listening to the show. We'd love for you to connect with us at wwwlama leadershipcom and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Leadership and also on Instagram at LlamaLeaders. Leaders. And a big thanks to Mike Whitmer for the music. To check out more of this stuff, go to soundcloud.com slash Mike-Whitmer. Thanks again. See you on the next episode.